player. Good mates. Yeah, I'm Chris. I'm Dave. <laughs> I'm Matt. <laughs> we said last time we were going to um, introduce ourselves for uh, for some of our listeners who say, "Who the fuck is that?" Yeah. But then talking? again, we just introduced ourselves as Chris, Dave, and Matt. I know. <laughs> Throughout the podcast, Dave, I'm, I'm going to refer to you as Rooster. That's yeah. right. You'll probably refer to me, Matt, as Smitty. <laughs> yes. And Chris will probably call you CJ. Yeah, yeah. So Thanks it's quite confusing. Yeah. Yeah. It is yeah. confusing. Maybe we should start that again. Because yeah. we do. Yeah. <laughs> We could. Hi, I'm Rooster. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, going on. <laughs> but we have had some feedback to uh, introduce ourselves mm. a little bit more, so people know who we are. Yeah. So we'll do that. We've, and I guess if we you do listen that. to other podcasts um, with multiple people on there, they do uh, introduce themselves. They do that. Yes. Mm. I've been listening. Just speaking of other podcasts, I've been listening to uh, one with Sam Newman. You cannot be serious. Oh yeah, yeah. fucking hilarious! Just a comedy sort of. No, he talks about like world events, like right. so leading up to the Voice referendum. Oh yeah, he was about that. Yeah, very yeah. strong opinions um, up on the uh, majority side of the population. Yep, yep. Yeah. He talks about you know U.S. elections and stuff like that. And mm. Sam Newman. Yeah, yeah. He's, wow. um, uh, the other guy he's got on there, I can't remember his name. He used to be um, a commentator, played for um, Collingwood, I think, back in the day. He'll, he'll be spilling if he if, if his name was forgotten, but he's also on not there. Tony Shaw. No, not Tony Shaw. Um, he was a commentator. Anyway, he they they banter and between each other, and mm. so it's a really good listen if you yeah. get a chance. He's a bit Trump fan, is he? Older yeah. Sam Newman. Yeah. yeah, is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, that's interesting with um, RFK. Mm. Recently, he's well, now he's oh, yeah. as an independent. Mm. I don't know if so, that means just suicide, like it's yeah, impossible, or yeah. I don't know how the system works. Well, name an independent that's got up. Oh yeah, never. Are the independents like um, Nate, Ralph, like Nader our teals? Them. You know, remember the teals? Yeah, got yeah. sort of some sort of traction in our last mm. election. They, they, uh, in the US, I think they talk about the independents being the third party that you can choose, but right. they're independent. Mm. They've got no. So can I wonder if independents like RFK can band together with other independents? So I know Tulsi Gabbard, she went independent. Mm. She left the Democrat Party. Yeah. So it'd be great if Tulsi Gabbard and RFK yeah. could become a joint, joint independent. Um, well, I know the, the last election they talked about having this centralist party where they had people from Democrats and Republicans come together. I can't mm. remember what it was called. Um, yeah, yeah. Which which kind of made more of a like a bipartisan kind of thing where they could come together on some of the the several issues that they had, you know. But anyway, pretty far apart, aren't they, the Yanks, with their uh, Republican Democrat policies? Like there's yeah. But if you like look us, at... Labor Liberal, we're very much vanilla or vanilla, mm. and they've got some differences, but not heaps. But if you look at the difference between like Republican and Democrat, it seems to be worlds apart, like so yeah. polar. Yeah. But if you look at what um, RFK was saying in one of his recent posts is that big business are funding both of them. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter who you get in. Yeah. Even though even though politically they are mm. pretty much extreme, aren't they? And yeah. then, yeah. Well, that'll be his biggest problem will be finding uh, funding, I guess. Yeah. Like, I mean, he obviously comes from a rich family, but he probably doesn't want to spend a ton of his own... Mm. I think that was one of the other things he said was wealth. that kind of he's almost ostracised in his own family. Yeah, but I'm sure he's done he... right for himself. Like I'm sure he's not a poor man. No. But uh, you wouldn't want to be spending your own coin on something. Nah. That's, uh, so I guess he'll struggle with advertising and that's why he's gone for the podcasting sort of method of trying mm. to get himself out there. He's doing a lot of podcasts and a lot of uh, electronic stuff. Yeah, I'd love to see him get up. But I just, I look at some of the numbers on his 
YouTube mm. videos and you think if he's going to get up in a population of 330-odd million, you're going to have to have more than 60,000 views. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Fingers crossed for him. I'd love to see yeah. him get in. He'd be yeah. amazing, but I don't know, uh, I don't know what's going to happen. No, oh, well, it's uh, going to be an interesting year next year. Did yeah. you just briefly? I know we're not going to talk about this uh, today, but um, did you see the New Zealand elections yeah. were run on the same day as the Voice uh, last week? Yeah. And uh, Jacinta Ardern's um, was obviously outgoing. So another fellow, I can't remember his name, uh, stepped in for her, and they got walloped. They Chris, did Chris Mill, something like that. Yeah, yeah. they got smashed in the polls. Yeah. What's well, the Greens did quite well. So the far, the further left but then also the Maori party got a lot of the vote just it made me think about it talking about um, obviously other parties that aren't you know the two main ones like yeah. getting a lot of votes yeah. uh, but Labor got decimated mm. yeah. See, absolutely when, decimated so people have spoken a bit there I think I thought, yeah. I thought there might be a fair swing in our election last year our state election no no uh, federal, election. federal election you know yeah. I, I thought one of the two well mm. I knew one of the two big ones would get in Labor that seemed pretty good but I thought there might be a bit more Mm. of those mm. minor parties that got I in. I think that last federal election for us was in a state of um, confusion and because it was very much in within COVID still. Mate, yeah. I agree 100%. Uh, yeah. And people were either like, we've got to get this Morrison government out because they're enforcing mandates or they, you know, enforcing it in their own way without enforcing yeah, they didn't it. Uh, tell anyone to take it. No, you know. no. And but people were just like, let's get someone else in. Yeah, and yeah. then they just and went who for whoever. You know, then you get this Albanese squeezer. Yeah, not squeezy. Yeah. But anyway, hey, before we kick on with today's topic, yes. uh, the guy on the Sam Newman podcast is uh, Don Scott. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Hawthorne. It was a Hawthorne. Was yeah. It? yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Don, yeah. Big Don Scott. You have man. to listen to them, and they just banter on like two old women. But they talk about <laughs> topics, and Sam tells him to stop touching the fucking microphone, Don. <laughs> Donny's probably been out of the game, hasn't he? Yeah, for a while because yeah. he, he was. Yeah, he was commentating mm. through the nineties, two thousands, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so are those guys are on the same page, or or are they sort of got uh, like polar views, or oh, sort of. Sam's more to the right oh, where yeah. I think old mate's pretty neutral right um, yeah. but still happy to listen to, yeah. to what Sam says yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. so CJ you've um, given us a, um, a a review article from the Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research yeah titled Maximising Strength the Stimuli and Mediators of Strength Gains and Their Application to Training and Rehabilitation yeah I, I love that you've printed it out that's <laughs> so old school. Yeah. Oh man. Well, I've got to print these things out and highlight yeah. stuff. You know. Yeah. Well, so if you look at so the, the author, the second author there, uh, I think he's Brad Schoenfeld. So he, I follow him, and he does some good stuff. I think he works at New York in Lehman College. So he's one of the sort of leading sports science guys around the world. He's got um, he's got a book called Look Good Naked or Look Great Naked, something like that. Um, and he's got Mac, the Max Muscle Plan. So I've seen some of his stuff before, um, and he's he's pretty big on the science and development of muscle hypertrophy. So I I think it came up in something of his I follow. So he's not the lead author, but... um, Oh, there's a few of them, isn't there? There is, yeah. But he's one of them, and he's one of the guys that I follow. So um, it's a... If if you're into that kind of thing, I like that stuff. I, I actually sounds a bit nerdy but I, I do read some journal articles if they come out that people put out that 
I follow and kind of respect what they're doing. And this one was really good. Um, yeah, it was pretty much an article aimed at identifying known stimuli to getting strong, pretty much. And as you get a as you age a bit, like I am, and we are, we is, are. Uh, yep. you know they they talk about that time after 30, 35, 40 where you know your muscle just disappears. So if you you don't use it, you don't you don't don't use it, you lose it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Jeez, that was hard, wasn't yeah. it, mate? That's difficult. Special blank there, buddy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I thought it was I thought it was a really good article just to you know discuss you know how how you can make maximum mm. strength gains beyond your current limits. So I, I found one of the really interesting parts that the maximal mental effort uh, yeah. being like an important component. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting because I remember previously reading uh, something and it was talking about a study where they had uh, I think it was actually observed in prisoners or something like that but they essentially had like um, they observed some groups and one was guys lifting heavy every day one was guys doing nothing but one was guys thinking about lifting heavy they gave them like a little task where all they did was they went back to their cell or wherever they were and they imagined for a certain amount of time lifting really heavy weight and really having to struggle to like push through it you know and, and doing like a set but only in their head and um, it was really surprising. Well, obviously, the guys that were physically lifting heavy got the best gains. The yeah. guys that were doing nothing got nothing. But the ones that were just doing mental and nothing else got some gains. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's yeah, that, so interesting that you could get it just through thinking about it. And that's the, the um, general consensus of this, uh, of this um, uh, article, was that they're looking beyond just the physical lifting of... of of heavy loads yeah. to increase strength. So they're mm-hmm. looking at beyond that's, Yeah, that's the reason I like this article <clears throat> yeah. because it was sort of it was a bit it was a bit more than just lift heavy, get strong. Yep. So for the purpose of someone listening to this podcast, that they in the abstract they um, identify four purposes of the of the review. Uh, one was to identify the known stimuli that trigger gains in strength. Um, which we sort of know, like you know, the, the known stimuli, lifting load. B, or number two, identify the known factors that mediate the long-term effectiveness of these stimuli. C, discuss and in some cases speculate on potential opportunities for maximising strength gains beyond current limits. And number four, discuss practical applications for increasing or maintaining strength when traditional heavy RE, um, resistance resistance exercise, uh, cannot be performed. So what you were just saying there, Smitty, so some sort of practical applications for increasing strength when you can't actually do traditional resistance exercise. Mm, yeah. And so they identify this as being people, uh, especially the military, when they're out on uh, maybe it's a convent or whatever, or people with um, musculoskeletal injuries or people with no equipment, how can they maintain or increase their strength gains without traditional yeah. resistance exercise? Yeah. So that was pretty much the premise behind it all, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, I think that... Like a maximal mental effort, I think they talk about, and the the brain muscle connection, uh, like Smithy was talking about there. Like the the greater mental effort and focus, the better results you get. So they often talk about elite sports athletes that think about or you know visualize mm. the game often perform better. Mm-hmm. This is this is kind of the same. Is that yeah, if we're thinking. You know, 
thinking I can lift heavy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's almost if you build it, you, you know, <laughs> yeah, you dream it. Belief. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you yeah. believe it, you can do it. Yeah, Because yeah. they mentioned here that um, strength gains have been attributed to a higher uh, instantaneous discharge rate of motor units. So when you're um, thinking about lifting heavy, um, mental effort leads to maximal neural activity to the muscle. So the more yeah. neural activity that you're um, promoting within your brain, you're also cre helping create greater um, uh, influx of motor yeah. neurons to, to lift. You're almost refining that pathway so that your brain can fire more effectively mm. to stimulate more muscle activation or whatever. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I found that quite an interesting um, little yeah. concept there. And then, yeah, so you mentioned maximal neural activation of muscle. Is that what you were talking about then? Yeah. 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 And then, so, so that was, they had that mental one. That was the second one they talked about. Is that right? And then the third one was lifting. You have to have lifting concentric, eccentric movements. Yeah, that was yeah. interesting how they mentioned um, uh, loading the eccentric phase. Yeah. Can, can contribute to greater strength gains as yeah. opposed to just uh, loading the concentric phase. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so eccentric, so concentric for people that are listening, you know, is the, so eccentric is the lowering phase, mm. concentric is sort of the lifting phase, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Sort of contracting your muscle during the concentric yeah. part of it. So yeah. Yeah. shortening your muscle to yeah. move a weight. Yeah, effectiveness for increased strength likely only occurs with forceful contractions. So if we're mm. you know, you're needing you're needing heavy stimulus on both up and down phases. Yeah, yeah. and I guess a classic example of that is someone trying to do a chin up or a, or a pull up. Uh, often the the stepping stone to getting one or well, a couple of reps in a in a chin up or a, a pull up is starting with eccentric. So you can yep. increase your strength in that activity by just starting at the top of the bar and lowering yep. yourself down in that eccentric phase yep. and therefore increasing your strength to be able to then do the concentric as well and, yep. do, and get, complete a full rep. Yeah. yeah. I was listening to a fellow just the other day talking about just that thing with regard to pull-ups and they were talking about observing uh, different groups uh, one was, uh, you know, those machines that assist you in the concentric phase where you're sort of kneeling on something and it's got a bit of a weight that pushes you up a yeah, bit or some yeah. people use bands. Oh, yeah. So yeah. it's helping you with the, like, the pull-up phase. Yeah. Uh, so some people doing uh, just that. Some people doing trying to do full pull-ups. This is for people that aren't very good at them. And then some people just doing the eccentric phase, like in the beginning, and the eccentric ones went really, really well Yeah, right. Um, in that early phase of mm. trying to get better at doing pull-ups. Yeah. yeah. Well, another example is... Um, and they mentioned that here is a way to load the eccentric phase of your lift is to um, is potentially to lift concentrically with two two limbs. So say you're doing a bicep curl, um, or sorry, say you're doing a hamstring curl, laying down on the hamstring curl machine. You lift up concentric um, with both legs, leave one leg at the top, and then lower with one. Right. So mm. your, your eccentric phase there is, is heavily loaded with the one leg going down. You're not relying on the proprioception of both legs to get you through, like the strength of your right leg to push your left leg up as well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, just, yeah. Yeah, so the eccentric phase is just heavier. Yeah. 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 Well, it's, yeah, definitely a lot heavier, right? Yeah. Because yeah. you're doing the curl up with two legs and then you're lowering it down with one. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Training through full range of motion, so heavy RE. 
mm. resistance exercise combined with the concentric eccentric phase you know, leads to forcible contractions through the full range of motion so yeah it's kind of suggesting you're doing full body full range of motion yeah. stuff to increase your strength yeah yeah I, I did I did like that we've talked about BFR so it mentions blood flow restriction in there mm. about yeah, yeah, I, I at, saw that. at low loads yeah um, you know with the yeah which increases the metabolic stress so um, yeah I, I, the fact that it was sort of talking about a few fringe not so fringe now BFR mm. but um, it's getting pretty popular but so my neighbour has bought some uh, proper oh, yeah. pneumatic BFR bands oh the quite like expensive the, ones yeah, yeah. Um, they're sort of inverted commas cheaper of the expensive ones I think he paid five or six hundred dollars uh, so it's two leg bands and two arm bands and yeah. they run off uh, Bluetooth oh wow so each band yeah. has a little pump in it they're probably about two and a half inches wide uh, and essentially you sync them up with your phone and then you work out what level of occlusion you want to do so it measures for you your own uh, blood pressure and then it works out like 80% 60% whatever level of occlusion you want to do um, and then once you've got it tailored for you, it, um, it'll just hold that pressure for you. So these ones don't cycle, but they hold it. And um, yeah, I tried it out the other day at his house. He's like, oh, come over and try this. And yeah. uh, man, it's different. Like I'm sure you guys are all over it, but I'm not a big lifter or anything like that. And uh, man, it's very fatiguing with lower weight after a while. Yeah, like yeah. when you just leave them pumped up. Yeah. Um, Were you sore the next day? Mate, I was sore for about four days. Really? So sore. Um, well, is that right? Because that's one of the things they say is that Extremely it's... Extremely sore. Wow. Yeah. I just, is that maybe because you don't generally do that that lift action? Um, I, I don't know. He gets really sore using him as well. Oh. Um, I'm not sure if... They say you're supposed to do quite lightweight, like maybe we yeah. did too heavy a weight or maybe they stayed occluded for too long or whatever. Um, they were at full occlusion for about 15 minutes Ooh. and uh, oh. yeah, arms feel like they were going to yeah. really burst. Yeah. Might have been a bit too um, much for you. Might have been a bit too much, cycle. yeah. But uh, it was interesting. Yeah. yeah, it was really interesting because uh, you're supposed to do them through to a failure yeah. um, for every set. And uh, you end up doing a lot of reps because you're not using much weight. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Well, they mentioned that in this report here, they, um, they were impressively uh, said that low load BFR training might even cause comparable improvements in muscle strength compared to traditional heavy loaded uh, resistance training. Yeah, so that's that's definitely one of the takeaways from that article. Yeah. I wrote it down. and we even mentioned that in our um, yeah. BFR podcast. One, yeah, yeah. Um, that might be as good as traditional heavy resistance. Well, that's exercise. a game changer for elderly and injured people, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Like if you're yeah, an old yeah. person, you don't want to be you know squatting crazy weight. Maybe yeah. you just want to do a body weight squat. Um, you're injured. You're recovering from knee surgery or something. That's yeah. that's going to be an amazing tool. Um, just the cost barrier, I guess, to get over. Yeah. If you want to get the sort of higher level ones that are actually, um, you know, pneumatically operated rather than just the yeah bands that are like tourniquet. But but interestingly enough, you know, when you're getting on, you you can think I can still lift heavy, real heavy, and mm. you know, do you need to? Maybe. The yeah. traditional thing is, yeah, you're going to keep lifting heavy weights to keep your strength gains up. But this year, like you say, is a game changer for mm. just doing light weight, light resistance, cycle it on and off, 30, 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off. Quite quite interesting. Yeah. yeah. Go on. No, sorry. There you go. 
I was just going to say, I guess also for elderly people, it's a much bigger deal if you get hurt. You're going to have a longer like recovery time and injury is yeah. going to maybe uh, play a bigger part. Like you might be a little bit more prone to injury. Uh, you know, maybe your tendons and your um, ligaments and stuff aren't quite as strong. Maybe you've got a lot of like wear and tear injuries. So I guess the BFR for that's going to be really good because you're not exposing yourself to that load. Therefore, there's less risk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, saying that though, they don't discount heavy load no, no, strength true. training. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what I did find interesting, was maybe it, sorry, maybe yeah. you don't need the ego of lifting as heavy as you used to. You know, yeah, You've probably got to taper it off. Because I because I think to myself, well, what's the point in me? Like one fifty is probably a max deadlift for me. What's the point in me doing at nearly forty four years old? What's the point in doing one fifty max deadlift? Mm. I might as well do. If I'm going to get the same gains, I might as well or keep the strength. I don't know if I'm going to get any stronger, but mm. do, do you just do, you know, I guess three at one twenty? Versus reward, maybe. Yeah, like of. if I do one fifty, am I going to pull my back out because I'm getting too mm. old? I don't know. I guess that's what your goals are. You know, if you're yeah. just, you know, if you're competitively lifting to keep getting better and better and better for some sort of competition or something, yeah. then you would. But if you're just for for life, general life maintenance, you'd probably just keep it at a at a sort of yeah, you know, say one ten, yeah, one twenty or something like that. Uh, but what I found interesting was um, two things about heavy resistance training was the fact that they said that um, uh, you need to start your your lift in a fresh yeah being yeah. fresh mm. yeah so um minimally fatigued minimally minimally yeah. fatigued yeah uh sorry i've just lost my point of reference here yeah. um but they talk about um that that minimal that, that's that sort of freshness uh and then their rep and your rep range so i've always been sort of like a bit of a believer of five sets of five yeah um but they actually mentioned here that uh, it's actually more beneficial to just keep it to two to three sets, even just maybe one. Yeah, I was interested in that. They said uh, the science beyond three sets wasn't really proven. Yeah. Mm. Um, this is a 2023 review article, so yeah, um, yeah, that's an interesting one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so keep still keeping the load heavy. Uh, the relationship between load and the number of reps is inversely linked. Heavier loads allow fewer repetitions per set, obviously. Um, we generally go for one to five reps for strength training. Yeah. Um, but they said that even just one set of that is is still attributable over time. So like extended training period uh, for strength gains. So you're taking maximal recovery time between sets if you're doing yes. more than one. Yeah. So, so at least two, two, a minimum two and a half. Yeah. Three minutes. Yeah, I've read sort of somewhere. Even you talk about or, yeah when Rogan talks about doing his strength stuff he's going off 10 minutes coming back yeah doing the next set yeah so, right you know you are minimally fatigued for that second one i guess that's where you you're making the gains with a z making gains yeah <laughs> yeah yeah uh, so the old five sets of five um yeah you're yeah. probably just wasting your time doing the last two sets mm. so obviously you're building up for your for your heavy three sets you're building up with a little bit of a warm up, up yeah. so you probably are doing five sets but you know you might just progressively do yeah, a lighter first yeah. set a little heavier second set and then you just launch into your three three heavies Big ones, yeah mm. that's why I, that's why I found this article so interesting was because it's it's looked at the science and it's gone okay well yeah maybe the science mm. isn't that after three sets are we wasting our time yeah. we're not getting anything out of it 
yeah. it's sort of moved away from the traditional stuff and it talks about BFR and recovery and mm. yeah, having mm. that long recovery between sets. Yeah. And imagine how time efficient that would be then if you've obviously just done a, a good warm up and you just go into a session doing one set yeah, yeah. Of, of bench or one yeah. set of squats. And you And that's it. And that's it. You're mentally mm. focused on it. Mm. So you know, you're not wasting mental strength, but you focus like we said at the start there. Yeah. You know, fully focused on what you're doing for three lifts and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you'd have to maybe do that more frequently during the week. Yeah. You know, I, you, Maybe you did it three times a week, maybe. Because it did say body part. it did say it did talk about optimizing recovery between sessions, but I can't remember if the article said anything about how often you need to train strength. Yeah, stuff, no, yeah? I, don't, I don't recall anything yeah. like that either. But I'm just going on that fatigue state thing. Um, they do quote here evidence indicate the beginning that beginning each set. Of resistance exercise in a fatigue state can over time diminish gains in strength mm. that was interesting yeah yeah um, performing resistance exercise using short interset rest intervals less than two minutes diminishes strength gains compared with using long rest intervals greater than two minutes um, continuing on from that I'll just finish off with this placing an exercise last in the exercise session as opposed to first diminishes strength gains after long-term training and I found that so interesting because I always leave my shoulders to last because it's a smaller muscle part. Yeah. And I, I do recall, it might have been um, some guy on YouTube, I can't remember his name, um, Hummerman, I can't remember his name. Hummerman? No. <laughs> he was saying that um, do your shoulders at the start of your workout. Uh, and that, that little quote there about um, the last body part of the session will suffer the, the most because the most. you're fatigued yeah is so like my shoulders take so much more to to develop than any other body part so what yeah. you want to get strongest out do first yeah you want to be really good at bench press do bench press yeah number one yep. warm up and do that first yeah yep. or whatever yep. squats deadlifts yeah yep. it's interesting isn't it because you're always you kind of traditionally taught yeah you do the big muscle groups first yep. and you finish it lift squats bench press back yeah shoulders yeah but I don't you want know, to try to finish around. Biceps and, or triceps, you know, the smaller muscle groups, yeah. Mm. Interesting. Mm. But I yeah. guess this is talking about strength, isn't it? So if you were just going for hypertrophy, then yeah. that's probably a different kettle of fish. Yeah, and yeah. You're talking about different rep ranges and probably different rest intervals and yeah. all that yeah. sort of jazz. So, uh, mm. Mm. yeah, that was interesting. Mm. So, yeah, I think I, yeah, that BFR and the moto imagery. For me, were the two big takeaways. I thought, you know, the what, mate? The two big takeaways from the article were that you know, mentally focusing on what you're doing and imagining it. You're falling asleep thinking about bench press, how mm. how heavy you can go. Mm. That's mm. going to help you with your strength. I thought that's pretty cool. And then yeah, getting the BFR on there and yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, I know there's always been a bit of debate uh, after we do maybe like a workout at work or something like that you know we do do some weights people say oh let's go for a run yeah um, they mention here that um <clears throat> performing endurance exercise immediately before resistance exercise diminishes long-term strength gains so to answer any debate or argue any debate on that if you're going to do any sort of aerobic before or after a, a strength session you do it after yeah there's not before. 
my nerd um, reading sports science journals, there's a real good article, maybe we could talk about that at another time, about whether to do weights versus cardio, cardio before weights, yeah. Yeah. Maybe they, they take it from that. Maybe yeah. we don't, you've just... That was an agreement, was it, mate, or...? I can't remember, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I thought they said... What, what did that say? Before? It said, uh, don't do it before. Don't do it before. Mm. Yeah, right. I wonder if that just depletes some of your um, energy stores. Well, that's right. We've just been talking about... Depending on the intensity fatigue. of the running. Mm. Like maybe you're just fatiguing your muscles. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe you're burning up a bit of glucose or whatever. Yeah. And then you're just not going to perform as well. Therefore, you're not stressing the muscle as much, maybe. Yeah. To probably, I'd say that... Probably dumbing it down way that, too much. That, that probably yeah. supports their, re- their, their, their theory we just talked about. Is mm. that you hit your uh, resistance strength training in a fresh state not fatigued exactly yeah. yeah yeah yeah. I wonder whether it would be beneficial just to not do cardio on the day you do your strength stuff. maybe that's always been my yeah. my philosophy you know, I just do cardio on a different day even even, I mean maybe that's more traditional thinking but the reason why you do strength work is oh, it's probably more hypertrophy isn't it but you know is to get blood flow through the muscle and that increases muscle size and strength and then if you were to then say run, if you're doing an upper body workout, you want the blood going through your upper body muscles, then if you went for a run, it's it's going through your legs, more of a mm. focus, I don't know. Yeah. I'd probably don't like. be happy to do zone two cardio on a day that I'm lifting. Yeah, that would that would But I wouldn't do um I wouldn't do heavy cardio on a day I'm lifting. Yeah. I think Peter Atia talks about that a fair bit, because he's yeah. the zone two cardio guy. Yeah. I remember him talking about splits and stuff like that and I think he was saying sometimes he very rarely does he does zone two a lot but he splits it up a lot and I think he tries to do it late in the afternoon if he works out in the morning with yeah. weights or something like that yeah. I, I would think it, splitting it up would be the best thing to do yeah. you know, if you go yeah. you do your zone two in the morning cardio uh, your strength stuff in the arvo mm. you, you're going to recover from your zone two stuff zone two's not that taxing obviously yeah. so yeah but going on his philosophy here about doing your cardio beforehand you'd want to do your, your strength session in the morning yeah do cardio at night or oh, in the afternoon I, I, I so you reckon wrong, but I thought that's what he was saying like do strength stuff in the morning and then maybe oh, do it okay, zone yeah, two yeah. I thought you meant in the same yeah, session yeah but that oh, same yeah. philosophy would apply either or like either in the same session you do your aerobic yeah. after your strength yeah. and if you're going to lengthen it out during the whole day do your strength in the yeah. morning and do your cardio in yeah. the afternoon whatever. but I would think you'd recover from your cardio your zone 2 I've seen oh zone 2 we talking yeah right yeah. I'm just talking about general cardio oh right yeah yeah. yeah. Mm. Mm. speculating aren't we oh well, well, not yeah. really yeah. No, it's, it's there yeah. I'm surprised I don't talk at all about uh, nutrition with this yeah yeah, yeah it'd be a big maybe component. just broadened it out too much but there's mm. obviously a fair bit to well I suppose with nutrition they you know they talk about you know I look at fasted nutrition a lot as in you know timing of exercise with fasting and eating and um, glucose replenishment and things like that so if you go I guess if you're doing two sessions a day um, one session if you're fasted and you're not training on that same day, I don't think you probably need to fill up with glucose straight away. You know, they talk about that feeding window, mm. but I don't, it'd be interesting to see what the science on that is. You know, they talk about once you've exercised, you've got to get X grams of glucose in and in, in a half hour mm. window. But I know there's a lot of guys that say, you probably shouldn't eat directly after exercising because it takes it away from growth hormone, 
testosterone, which is those adaptive hormones that you want to come in. That's why you're training, really, to build that. Um, and if then if you're eating directly after that, cortisol increases, which pushes down testosterone. Yeah, but then if you want to do two sessions in a day, at some point you've got to refill your glucose stores, I suppose, mm. because I think they say if you're going to train within eight hours of your previous training session, you probably need to have some fuel. Mm. But yeah, no mention of nutrition in there. No. Interesting. Mm. They did, though, mention um, supplementing resistance exercise with various forms of, of external stimulation. Uh, and that is an example they give is neuromuscular electrical stimulation. Oh, yeah. And that reminded me of a, a, of a job I used to work um, as an instructor for speed fit. Oh, yeah. So basically the speed fit concept is for 20 minutes you um, hook up your client to an electrical um, stimulation sort of machine. So you've got these little pads on their biceps, their pecs, their glutes, their quads, uh, hamstrings, the glutes, yeah, um, back, various points of the body. And then you can um, separately dial up each little um, electrical impulse sent to that, that sensor on the muscle. So during this 20 minute period, you take the client through uh, various body weight motions. So, you know, your squats, your lunges, um, you know, closing like a, like a, um, a, a free, a free um, pec deck sort of movement. Just no shares. weights, obviously. No weights. Like squatting, not squatting with a weight. Just yeah. body. Pec. So they're doing these body motions, um, but they're and you're also dialing up, and then they can tell you, yeah, a little bit more on the chest, a little bit less on the legs, mm-hmm. and you can dial up each one. So they're also getting this smack of electrical impulses, whilst that same muscle is working in its in its in its functionality. So that electrical flow is doing the contraction for you. No, it's adding another contraction. So you're already contracting the muscles. So say you're doing a a bicep curl, you've got the electrodes on your bicep, you're still contracting your bicep, but you're also getting the electrical impulses. Is that thought to help muscle recruitment or something like that, or help you recruit more muscle fibres or something? Yeah, well, I guess this is the argument of um, increasing muscle strength. It's like those bloody ab machines that you buy off TV where you just sit, watch TV and hook it up to your abs and yeah, yeah, get a yeah. back after a few days. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, their, their mantra was, you know, 20 minutes uh, a day or a few times a week uh, would can improve um, strength and, uh, and muscle tone and that sort of stuff. And if you go onto the SpeedFit website, they actually give a full rundown on the history of, of how it was incorporated and the guy, I think he's Swedish or something, some guy from Europe, uh, how he introduced it. I found that quite interesting. Yeah. Mm. There's a lot of stuff out there, isn't there? Yeah. Mm. A lot of people are attacking things from a lot of different angles. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I don't know how much it would in, uh, affect strength gains say like in relation to this article yeah yeah um but they are they do mention this article does mention um neuromuscular electrical stimulation yeah i i kind of also found the future directions for maximizing strength gains in that article quite good yeah, i didn't quite get through to that yeah before you go on to the future directions yes. can i just last point the reps to failure um, thing. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, I found that interesting because I have uh, read some articles which promote reps to failure. Yeah, and I have tried it myself. They these articles say that you know for max gains, 
go to failure. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of guys around that talk about that. Yeah, but then again, there are a lot of guys who say you're best to go to one to two reps before failure. Yeah. Uh, and this also sort of um, talks about that. Um, current evidence indicates that lifting loads to failure versus short of failure uh, does not provide any long-term strength benefits. Mm. Mm. It's probably almost detrimental, isn't it, really, if you think about it? If you want to be fully recovered for your next set, you're well, that's right. Failure. But then yeah. I guess the argument could be that if you do want to go to failure, uh, then you just extend your rest period. You know, yeah. like you, or like you, you do, do one set, like you do one set. Yeah, yeah, to failure. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. Yeah, I think we already talked about, you know, the the um, super uh, super super maximal training intensity. Yeah. So this is just one of these future future directions for gaining maximal strength yeah um, so they talk about forceful contractions beyond normal heavy resistance exercise um, so muscles producing greater force during the eccentric or lengthening phase than the concentric so we were talking about that earlier wasn't it weren't we yeah yeah so therefore you lift more for your lengthening phase of your your lift mm-hmm. yeah yeah I think um, yeah we didn't really hit that mate yeah we did yeah I've, I've heard uh, people talking before, and you guys are much more across this than me. You probably know, but I've heard that you only get um, like mitochondrial biogenesis during the concentric phase of a lift. Right. Eccentric is no good for it. Have you guys come across that? Oh, I haven't seen no. that, but yeah, you've heard about right. a few people talk about that. Yeah, and some people actually do these crazy concentric only lifting regimes. Right. Um, so they'll literally just you know drop a weight or whatever rather than lowering it. Yeah. Um, and they're just trying to hit concentric. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah, trying right. to get this mitochondrial biogenesis. Yeah. So sort of going from that angle of obviously being able to make more ATP and yeah. you know, generate more cellular energy. But Yeah. Yeah, so this supramaximal one talks about going beyond the concentric 1RM and f- just focus on the eccentric phase. Mm. So seems like you can load up more than your 1RM on the eccentric rather than the concentric. Mm. Yeah, you're going to be sore the next day. Well, that's what it does say. It says there's greater muscle-induced damage on that. Yeah. So you, it requires longer recovery time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, but they yeah, and then they talk about the supplemental activities being the future direction, as in BFR and that motor imagery, imagining, <laughs> imagining yeah. lifting. I can do that. Yeah, you'd have, have, you'd have to have really good willpower to sit there for like I don't know, twenty minutes and just be imagining. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's deeper. Yeah, it's deep. You know, just keep thinking about it. Maybe that's what you'd I have used. to have. Like real, you'd have to be like a meditator, have very yeah. single point of focus. Yeah, I mean, it is amazing what the brain can do because I have heard of um, of the theory where people who have an injured uh, left leg will do training on the right leg, and the brain will also send messages to that left that damaged left leg yep. to become stronger also mm. yeah. so say you pull a calf muscle on your left leg you start doing some um, single leg calf raises on your right you're actually still contributing to training that, mm. that damaged yeah. left leg yeah. Yeah. yeah so even though you, you've done a calf yep. you don't write off doing calves or whatever yeah, right. you, know, you can still get a benefit from just doing the other limb mm. Mm. I wonder if that's also due to like those metabolic byproducts that build up in the muscle and they become sort of systemic and then, you know, like CJ spoke about, like growth hormone and testosterone and stuff 
maybe you're still sort of getting that and it's benefiting your yeah. whole body. Well, it not flows, just that, yeah, must, you know, because everything's connected. Yeah. I wonder if that's another part of that. Yeah. Not discounting the brain part, but mm. uh, it's complex, the old human body, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. What's going on? Mm. There's a lot going on. Future strategies for gaining muscle. That's pretty good. They, they, they talked about optimizing or individualizing recovery strategies and techno, technological advances and things like that. What were the technological advances? Oh, I can't remember. I didn't write them down. No. Uh, I think it was BFR, you know, those kind of things. Of well, like that extra muscular stimulation. stimulation, those kind of things, yeah. And then, you know, no load and low load interventions for recovery. So, yeah. yeah, kind of, I think moving, you know, if you're injured, moving more rather than, not, you know, not going for a sprint if you've done a calf, but moving it around. Yeah. And, which maybe helps with that left and right that you were talking about, as in we get adaptive hormones and, you know, you're not just sort of sitting around doing nothing. You're still moving it, as in, yeah, helping recovery of muscles. Mm. Mm. I wonder whether gyms of the future are going to have, like, you know, your, your bench press machine there and it's got a little wire hookup that you hook up some little pads to your chest and you turn mm. the dial up yeah, start yeah. sending all these impulses to your chest while you're doing your bench press I wonder yeah. whether oh, that's a great, great little invention really yeah. I think we're onto something some there some rooster probably <laughs> copyright rooster yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm sure Speedfit might have um, yeah, something to do about that yeah. I think I might have that covered no, it's a pretty good concept though people are it's very popular yeah you see the branches yeah. are popping up all over the place yeah there's one down the road from me mm. yeah, yeah yeah give it a go yeah, shout out Speedfit. Yeah, mm. get them. Did you rate it, mate? Did you rate the muscle stimulation? Yeah, yeah I tried it in the good? in the training. Did and you think it made you uh, a lot stronger or perform better? Or oh, I only did it once. I think you'd have okay. to do it like like everything. Oh like yeah, this I even thought you might may have done it for like, no, several months or no, no. Okay, no. Um, but there were people, clients that were going back multiple times and doing it for years. So right, yeah, okay. know, I guess they'd be your best people to ask. Yeah, yeah. Let's get them on the show. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was a good article, mate. Yeah, yeah um, I thought that was pretty good. There's a few things that I already knew, but it actually expanded my knowledge on some things that um, I, I sort of had a, had some knowledge about, but yeah. it actually delved deep into a little bit, a few more things. So yeah. from from this, from my own training, I will take away that mental aspect of it, like thinking heavy. Yeah, I'll take away the um, the you know maybe just two to three sets. Yeah, uh, not five. Uh, I'll take away the, the 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 rest period extended. Yeah. Um, and I'll probably take away the, the, the reps to failure concept. Yeah. Um, maybe right. changing that idea. More recovery time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, th I, I thought the mental imagery thing was quite good mm. in that I would probably not use it during, sorry, I'd probably use it during the lift yes. rather yes. than yeah. like sitting at home mm. thinking about it yeah. in between sort of sets or before I'm coming up to lift yeah. real heavy well you hear you see all these the big lifters like you know they get down for their bench they're setting themselves up and they're already set up and you're just waiting well come on do your rep but they're yeah. actually visualising yeah. and, and thinking how strong they are yeah. you know to do that heavy lift yeah uh, so I guess that's that's part of what they're, what they're doing yeah 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 interesting not really the same, but it's even a bit like you see like uh, the Olympic ski jumpers and stuff like that. And you can see them like going through their mind exactly what they need to do with their body before yeah, they do it. Yeah. So it's all about visualisation. Yeah. So you'll see them sort of like 
Yeah. You know, you see like, the heads move. The heads are bobbing yeah. around. They see their yeah. arms like moving a bit. And they're obviously rehearsing all those muscular movements in their head. Yeah. I guess doing a lift is a similar sort of thing. You're recruiting a lot of different muscle groups. Yeah. They've all got to fire, <laughs> you know, simultaneously. Yeah. They've got to fire with maximal effort. So You just reminded me of when I watch a boxing fight or UFC. I, my head moves. I, <laughs> I just can't help it. It just yeah, I, try it to, I try to stop it and I just go, yeah, mate, moves the hardest side. Of <laughs> it's just weird. Anyway, yeah. it's good. You must be an empathetic, empathic person. Mm. Yeah, it feels <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get the guy to move his head out the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sending you messages through the telly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, uh, reach out to us. I'm Chris. I'm Rooster. Yeah. I'm Smitty. <laughs> Modern Ancestral Man podcast. You can get us on uh, Gmail. So the only uh, email man. we got recently was from YouTube saying that we've done it. We, we were bad boys. Mm, we did get miss. a strike, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. we got a strike. Which podcast miss. is that from, mate? The... This was from the 50th, which 50th. was the last one we did. Right. Uh, yeah. They wouldn't tell me why. No. But it did say the who's WHO... We were going against what they said about um, oh, yeah. medical information. Oh, okay. Because you can trust the who. Absolutely. They're, they're good people solid. over at the yeah. who. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. yeah. We did, we've had a warning. I was at Instagram. That was an Instagram warning. I think, from memory, that was about seed oils. And it's, <laughs> it's quite interesting because um, wow. Saladino has had two strikes about seed oils. Really? Wow. Yeah, saying wow. it's misinformation that they're unhealthy. But um, that was our first strike, I think. It wasn't even anything. This whole concept of misinformation, it just really fucks it's me up. been off. weaponized, hasn't it? Hasn't it's it? really uh, been weaponized yeah. as a method to control yeah. people. Yeah. And yeah. You know, they've got these platforms that you sort of really need to use. And they're just trying to control yeah. anything they want through say, oh, misinformation. So like, well, is it misinformation? Yeah. have got a fair bit of science here that says it's pretty legit. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what a few people are doing now is fighting back sending all the information saying you are wrong actually yeah but they don't give a but shit what do they care they don't yeah. yeah and when you've got a powerful platform like YouTube they can just say well fucking like it or lump it mm. yeah I guess that's why you got the rise of uh, like Rumble and other yeah. platforms like that yeah. and obviously like Patreon and things like that where yeah. people are uh, saying oh well if I can't use YouTube I can't use YouTube so yeah go ahead and yeah platform yeah. yeah that's why I'd love to be able to put our podcast on the rumble mm. but I don't know how to do it oh. mm. there's a way yeah sure we'll, way. well if we get a couple more strikes we'll probably have to work it out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on that note alright we'll see you boys we'll see you next week good chat mm.